the uh, African-Americans, uh, the Latinos, a uh, good portion of women uh, would be the, the first to step forward and uh, join his army uh, to, to help share the resources, feeding the poor who die unnecessarily in the world of plenty. At the same time, you know, we're facing a, an imminent stock market crash uh, that will be uh, 2008 all over again, if not worse. And that was a foretaste of this episode of the Planetary Makeover Show. Humanity is a crossroads, and all of us are wanted. All races, all spiritual activists, now, together, we've got to go change the world. In response to the growing voices of an awakening humanity, we bring you evidence that divine help is at hand to work with us to create a hopeful future that works for everyone. Welcome to another enlightening and thought-provoking episode. I'm your host, David Minot. How do you present these mind-blowing facts to people on the street or in the grocery store? How do you get them excited about the future? Well, you can start by telling them what you heard and saw on this episode. This show is an audio broadcast from our precursor, Share on the Air Radio, which some of our current production team worked on. We have here Silito Pasqual interviewing Ira Palmer. Like all of our shows, this one is uplifting and inspirational. In these seemingly uncertain times, just when you thought humanity was about to completely blow it, there's new evidence that we're on the verge of pulling a rabbit out of a hat to remake our world along more just and equitable lines. In fact, it's already begun. And if you're watching the news closely, you'll see the wisdom and solutions offered by people out in the streets, particularly people of color and women, who are vocal proponents of dramatic, meaningful, and lasting change. Our guest today, Ira Palmer, will offer observations showing that humanity is beginning to create a whole new brilliant civilization based on brotherhood, justice, love, and a sharing of the world's resources to end poverty and war, positing it as the only way out of the current chaos that the world is embroiled in. You might find yourself agreeing with him, or you might say, hmm, not likely. Well, bear in mind that Ira Palmer himself went from skeptic to torchbearer. And our guest, Ira, is a world traveler, a student of major world religions, both Eastern and Western, and is a champion when it comes to pointing out little-known facts that many find to be uplifting and even mind-blowing. Ira Palmer hails from North Carolina, where he served in state government, was chapter president of the NAACP, and served on the board of the United Way. 
Now, IRA is very aware of the huge gulf existing at the present time between the rich and the poor. But now, hear him make a convincing argument for why, rather than think of these days as the end times, to rather view them using that old cliché that adversity is the mother of invention. And with the voice of the people growing louder and presenting solutions, and the many wise enlightened teachers emerging now, we can look forward to a new, fair, and just world with no hunger, no poverty, and no war. Ira Palmer will describe for us, underlying all the different religions, that there's this prophecy of the advent of a great divine messianic being who presents himself at a time of greatest chaos in the world. And that sounds like just about now. So stay tuned as he examines the evidence of wonderful miracles occurring right under our noses as he makes the case for all of this happening right now. And be sure to stay on after the interview for an inspiring short meditation together. Welcome to our show. This is Cher on the air radio. And my name is Silito Pasqual, podcasting from Seattle, where today it's a beautiful, gorgeous, sunny day, not too cold. And um, I welcome all of our listeners around the world, especially those of you who are tuning in for the first time. I know that many people are familiar with the term, the masters of wisdom. Um, uh, some uh, people are familiar with the fact that um, that the masters are in the world. Um, not as many may realize that at the head of this group of masters of wisdom emerging into the world uh, sits the most senior member of this group, Maitreya, the world teacher, our eldest brother of humanity. And on this program, we talk about this event, the emergence of Maitreya, the world teacher, and the masters of wisdom emerging onto the world stage, into the modern world. And the purpose of the show is to uh, not, not convince anyone that this is true, but open uh, minds and uh, awarenesses to the possibility of this fact and to look at the world in a new way. Here in the United States, uh, coming up soon, we celebrate a federal holiday. Uh, it is the birthday of uh, great civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. And in line with that, today we're going to talk about the ways in which uh, the, the message of Maitreya this event of the emergence of Maitreya um, can impact communities of color, how communities of color are receiving this information, how it's resonating for communities of color. So I'm pleased to introduce to our audience Ira Palmer. Uh, he is in North Carolina, in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, he's a longtime student of the Ageless Wisdom Teachings. And his life experience also includes a distinguished career working for the state of North Carolina. He has served on the boards of numerous agencies, including service as chapter president of the NAACP and board member 
of United Way of Central Carolina. Uh, he is a longtime advocate for children's development and education. And today, Ira is retired and devotes much of his time to sharing the story of Maitreya and the Masters of Wisdom in a very public way. Uh, welcome, Ira. How are you? Thank you, Salito. Great to be with you. Really appreciate you taking the time, and um, you're a good friend, uh, someone I don't see often because you're in another city, but we do get to, to meet at our conference in, in San Francisco, and yes. I always enjoy uh, sharing ideas with you, so I'm glad we're connecting virtually today. Absolutely. Yeah, so I just wanted to to point out to our audience you're not just a student of ageless wisdom teachings. And when I say ageless wisdom teachings, you, you, you know the books I'm talking about. Um, authors our audience may have heard about are uh, Helena Petrovna Blavatsky. Uh, Blavatsky, B-L-A-V-A-E. Oh, I'm Blavatsky. <laughs> uh, Alice A. Bailey. Uh, Helena Rorick. Um, and today, the, the books of Benjamin Krem, C-R-E-M-E. And um, uh, many people study these books. Many people read these books. Uh, this information, beginning with uh, uh, Helena Blavatsky, was introduced uh, over 100, 125 years ago. So there are many students of, of this work. You don't, you not only study ageless wisdom teachings, but you are out in the public sharing the information. Why is that important to you? Well, I initially was skeptical when I heard the story. I must admit that. My brother shared the story with me about Maitreya's return to the everyday world for the first time in 98,000 years. And I told my brother, I said, well, he might be the Antichrist. And he said, uh, I don't think so, Sonny. I said, well, what's his answer to the chaos, the turbulence, the, uh, the violence, the terrorism in the world today? He said, sharing resources. I had to admit that that was the right answer. But I said, how do you get the greedy, selfish people on the planet to subscribe to something like that? That sounds very utopian. And uh, so he gave me the website, and I headed home with a big meal, uh, thinking for sure that I was going to uncover a fraud, a charlatan. And I got to my computer, and um, I'm a good reader. <laughs> I read for about three hours, and uh, everything was coming together. I knew a little bit about Helena Blavatsky, uh, I read uh, some information on uh, Sylvia Brown, Edgar Casey, but I had not read uh, uh, Benjamin Krim. I knew nothing about Sharon International. But after this orientation, I felt like this was coming together in a marvelous way, and I, I found there were tears in my eyes. And I said, this is, this is probably true. It resonated with me. And it was uh, on a Friday, Saturday, I continued my reading, and then I started calling my colleagues, some of my colleagues that I could share this information with, and, uh, and they, were, they were taken aback. Uh, I told them to approach the website with an open mind. 
like a lawyer or a good scientist and uh, just see if it resonates and see if it opens some doors. And um, since then, I've been sharing it with uh, people in um, gyms, uh, cafeterias, uh, food markets, usually at the checkout line because they've they already picked up their groceries and are just standing there waiting <laughs> to be served. <laughs> so I usually approach them. I said, I, I will talk about meditation to kind of get a foot in the door. And I'll say to them, have you ever given any thought to meditation? <laughs> so this is it now for our audience. Uh, Ira, you're, you are the opposite of threatening in a, you know, as a stranger, I would, I would pick you over most anyone to, to, to chat with, um, in, in the grocery line because you're such a, uh, your demeanor is so pleasant, so engaging. Um, so I can imagine people would be (laughs) taken aback, but still willing to, (laughs) to engage with you. How do you distinguish this um, just for just for uh, skeptics' sake, how do you distinguish what you're sharing from the act of proselytizing? Or, or are you? Maybe, maybe you are. Is there a distinction there? Well, there is some difference. I tell them that uh, the masters are here. Uh, there is a website that you can see some of the miracles that have been manifesting all over the planet, some of which have made their way into mainstream media, like the uh, appearance of Maitreya in Tahrir Square doing the uprising there, Uh, the uh, Norway Spiral, uh, the appearance of Master Jesus at the the little child prodigy, uh, Akiana, who's been on all the talk programs, that was a the master Jesus in disguise. And you're, I just want to press pause here, uh, just for our newcomers. You're you're listing some uh, uh, t- phenomena that's taken place, uh, witnessed by millions of people. That's the right. Tahrir Square, the Norway Spiral. Um, so I, I don't want our audience to go. What are they talking about? But you're sharing with people in the audience uh, in 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 the grocery line that miraculous things are happening. You just dive right into it. I mean... Uh, no, uh, I, I don't go into the deep details like that. I just open the door to meditation. I tell them there's a powerful new meditation out there in the world today. It's for busy people like you that might be able to carve out one or two days a week for this meditation. It's the only meditation that invokes the energies from the spiritual hierarchy, that mysterious kingdom above the human kingdom that we all will graduate into. And uh, if you're interested, here's my card. There's, here's the website. You can go there. And it talks about how this meditation, separate and apart from any other meditation, incorporates a service, a high-level service. And it's supposedly uh, one year equals 10, 15, 20 years of other forms of meditation. So check it out. Give me a call. And uh, and what's the response rate as we go into the break? I'd say it's about 10%. I love how we just had an ad for Transmission Meditation just after we were talking about it. I'm Cielito Pasquale interviewing Ira Palmer. And 
the resonance of the story of Maitreya and the Masters of Wisdom with communities of color. Uh, and that website, again, is transmissionmeditation.org. And we'll talk about that in a little more detail later on in this program. I, I want to um, uh, know a bit about your background, Ira. How, okay. What religious tradition did you grow up with? I, was, I grew up as a Baptist, uh, so... I had um, had a very religious, uh, doctrinal <laughs> education. My mother uh, insisted that we go to church to get a, a great moral foundation. Uh, she was less persuasive with my father, who absolutely refused to go. <laughs> he said, all the sinners are right there in church, and the church effect <laughs> does not last. Uh, but I went. I felt it was a good experience. Uh I usually read during the portions of the service because they just concentrate on one little paragraph or a couple of sentences and make a sermon out of that. But uh, there were smiling faces, warm embraces, good music. Uh, the, ser- the, the, the sermon was sometimes heavy-handed. African-American ministers would use what is known as the boot. Uh, that's when you... Uh, like Martin Luther King would say, I may not get there with you, but we will reach as a people to the promised land. And, you know, you put a little cadence into it and it's called the boot. So I would, I would come alive when I hear that because of <laughs> the women in the church would start shouting and all the rest. But when I approach people now, and a lot of times they, they've heard this all of their lives, they're devoted to Jesus and hearing the name Maitreya is foreign. And I tell them that uh, he is in the Bible, you know. Uh, he's Enoch, the one who did not die but went directly to heaven. He's also Melchizedek. In the Kabbalah, the Jewish text, he is Metatron. In the uh, Tibetan text, he is Gesa. So according to esoteric or hidden teachings, he overshadowed Jesus 2,000 years ago. That's alarming to you, but that's a way that they respect our divinity. They say we're gods and we don't know it. What can they mean by that? They're talking about the soul within. And Jesus, of, of course, said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And the Buddha said, before you can know God, know the God within you. Now, If that's difficult as it is for most people to wrap their brain around, imagine how difficult it was 2,000 years ago dealing with uneducated peasants, superstitious. You say something like you're actually two beings in one, the personality that came out of the animal kingdom and the soul that comes, that's whose vehicle comes from the being behind the sun. So that's a very difficult concept to wrap your brain around. But Jesus tried to get to that by saying the kingdom of heaven is within you. So throughout our evolution, we're moving closer and closer to the soul. The soul is like an artist using a palette of colors, uh, utilizing the seven rays. And I know you've talked about that earlier But he chooses the seven colors to bring out a certain intensity, a certain color, a certain tone, a certain vibration 
in moving us toward perfection. The soul is already perfect, but gonna, it's trying to create create us in its image. So just to give our audience context, we're talking about the event of the emergence of Maitreya, the world teacher, and his group, the Masters of Wisdom. So correlating that with uh, for for people who are oriented to the Christian context, what the esotericist, um, you know, the the, es- the esoteric science, uh, as you say, um, examines the evolution of uh, the the evolution of life on on Earth, and our evolution, the human evolution, is on a journey. And we are now, as we heard in the opening of the show, uh, we're, we're in, in tremendously, um, we're in a tremendously potent time. There's many changes unfolding. And all of these changes were anticipated by the Ageless Wisdom teachings. Um, we're at a very critical uh, transition point between the Piscean Age transitioning into the Aquarian age. So all these things are happening. We have masters emerging into the world. We have uh, uh, people waking up to, to, the, to the realities of life, waking up perhaps in the sense of feeling dissatisfied, um, seeing that um, what's happening in the world is not addressing uh, our needs. Um, so there's a, there's a lot going on. And, when you talk about speaking uh, to Christians, you know, the, 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 the term Maitreya is foreign, um, but you connect with these names in the Bible. You're, I mean, you have to explain reincarnation in that sense. And, and a lot of traditions don't recognize that. Uh, certainly, uh, you've mentioned to me before, and many people might know this, that's been excised from the Bible. Why don't we uh, focus... Perhaps our audience can understand a little bit better um, the context if we uh, refer back to reincarnation and cycles of life and how that's brought us to where we are today with this potential of expressing divinity. Well, you know, actually, uh, reincarnation is in the Bible. It's uh, most of it was removed by the Roman Emperor Justinian in the uh, 553 Ecumenical Council in Constantinople. Uh, he, he felt like he needed to get rid of it because it would embolden people to challenge his authority. The Pope at the time, Virgilius, did not even attend that meeting. Uh, but Jesus clearly said of John the Baptist when his disciples uh, questioned him as to who this individual was preaching in the wilderness, he said, of those born of woman, none have risen greater than John the Baptist. And if you will accept it, he is Elias who is to come. So, you know, it was there. It was taught. Jesus was a member of the Essenes. Historical facts show that the Essenes were a vegetarian order who believed in reincarnation. Um, his disciples, Jesus' disciples, noticed that whenever he healed someone, he said, thy sins be forgiven before he made them whole. So when he came upon a man that was born blind, the disciples asked, for whose sin is the man born blind? Is it his sin or the, the sins of his parents? Jesus described that uh, it was neither. 
in this case, uh, but uh, th- through these things that that God's works may be manifest. That's the closest he could come to saying that the soul was restricting its vehicle so that the person could make forward progress. Sometimes the explanation is karmic. Sometimes it's the law of cause and effect. We've been here hundreds of thousands of lifetimes, and some of those lifetimes we've fallen short of the mark. We've hurt some people, we have to uh, deal with the effects of those causes that we set in motion. This is the case with uh, John the Baptist, who had to be beheaded for his actions as uh, Elias. So you go to Kings and you see what what, uh, Elias did, and uh, Elijah, and you'll see that he he uh, challenged uh, the queen of Baal, uh, her prophets, to set fire to the bullock. And uh, they couldn't do it. It was about 350 of them. And then he called upon God at the wedding, heavily the bullock, and uh, the fire came down and uh, he showed the, the, the uh, prophets to be uh, false prophets and had them all beheaded. He killed them all. So the queen wanted his head by the end of the day and he sneaked off, escaped. And uh, then you see the action of that, the, the karmic effect of that in his life as Elijah. So there's, there's several, several places in the Bible where the Pope Vigilius kept those references to reincarnation, even though he was ordered to remove them. But, you know, the Tibetan master Dual Kul said, what we have in Christianity is really churchianity. It, it's put the church between us and God. And uh, this edit from the Roman Emperor Justinian has stood for centuries. But you have a number of people on earth who can remember their former lives. Under, under uh, regressive hypnosis, a lot of people remember their former lives. Have you ever had a, an experience of a past, but something you think was a past life? As a matter of fact, I have. You know, I, when I build, I used to build models of historical ships in scale. And uh, I had a reading once, and they told me I was, I was on the ship several times. And I met a lady, uh, my staff was wanted me to meet and when she came into the to the office uh i felt like i knew her it was such a uh uncanny feeling uh that i had a reading from uh, a psychic that lived in the mountains here for a while and she told me i'd been married to this woman in two lifetimes and uh after- yeah, but- so it's a number of times we have that deja vu feeling that we've been a place before. Uh, when I meet Indian people, I feel like uh, these are people I've been with. And uh, same thing with China. When I went to China and Shenzhen and Zanzhou. In, in traditional religious communities, you know, we were talking about this earlier, there people tend to, if, if there are ideas that seem foreign, it's, it's a bit of a challenge to, to stretch in, in that direct, direction, but you've just demonstrated 
that even with all your knowledge and ob- your obvious um, uh, honoring of your uh, religious upbringing, you, you don't sound like someone who just rejects it outright. Uh, you simply had questions. Um, one can, can, can continue with their uh, tradition and include this information uh, rather seamlessly about uh, Maitreya and the Masters of Wisdom. Talk a little bit more about the connections. Um, we talked about the connections of, of the, the idea of reincarnation uh, and law of cause and effect. Are there, there other connections that can be made between um, the, the traditional uh, Christian experience in African-American communities and the information of the Ageless Wisdom teachings? Well, you know, of course, that African-Americans feel that uh, we get the short end of the stick and so forth as the justice element. Uh, many African-Americans still feel discriminated against. They feel disenfranchised. We got photo ID here in North Carolina. Uh, there's unfair uh, sentencing. Uh, blacks who commit the same crimes as whites get longer sentences. Uh, police misconduct. The Black Lives Matter uh, issue is front and center now, mainly because of the proliferation of smartphones where young people take pictures of uh, police officers acting badly. It's a small minority, but the majority fail to... Uh, do disciplinary actions, uh, fail to to uh, have uh, review by by uh, outside people, and uh, so you have this inflamed situation that we have with Black Lives Matter. And when I share with them that uh, there is hope, uh, there is the law of karma. No one gets away with anything. Uh, Once your soul sees you do something like that, then you will have to experience that unless, of course, you uh, you can mitigate it through what they call karma of merit. And the best way to do that is through the meditation. But African-Americans, I tell them generally to approach the subject like uh, a scientist become an objective investigator, say, I don't know whether this is true or not. I'll just, uh, I'll just do my homework, due diligence, and uh, see whether or not it resonates with me. And for many, it does. When I went up to the Congressional Black Caucus and uh, Cindy Bruder from Massachusetts accompanied me, we were just astounded with the reception we had. We had 86 people, I believe to sign up to receive more information about it. They weren't stunned. They didn't let the Bible get in, uh, get in the way of their listening to the story. Uh, when they said 98,000, when they heard 98,000 years ago that Maitreya was here, and they said, how, how do you know that? And uh, I talked about the pyramids, the research of Christopher Dunn, his reverse uh, engineering. He's one of the top engineers in the world and uh, machinist. Uh, he said, uh, we can't build these pyramids. The one in Giza, he was specifically studied. We can't build this. We know the Egyptians didn't build it. And uh, they scoffed at the notion that it was built by the tools on display, these copper saws that's supposed to cut through limestone, let alone granite. And uh, so 
you know, you have Benjamin Krim, who is in contact with a senior member of the spiritual hierarchy of this planet. And he explains that uh, it was built 16,000 years ago uh, using thought, the same way our space brothers build their crafts. And, of course, we in our English don't believe that there's life on other planets, but they're in etheric matter. There's seven levels to the physical plane. We know of solids, liquids, and gaseous physical, but there are four etheric levels that are finer than gas. When we die, we are in etheric matter, very much alive. What they don't tell you is that sometimes in our clinics, we will see little children that can see elementals. They're invisible, some of them. And uh, the kids say, Mommy, there goes one right there. These little people that inhabit the gardens, the streams. As a matter of fact, our bodies, our physical, emotional, and mental vehicles are made of elementals. Kids can see them because it hasn't been long since they were in that realm. But then their parents say, honey, that's just your imagination. They're not really real. <laughs> so the kids lose that faculty. And uh, so our space brothers, all the planets are inhabited. They're in etheric matter. They can slow down the vibration of their crafts or their their uh, physical vehicles so that temporarily it comes within our field of vision. And I'll, I'll jump in here to, uh, you know, we, we make these huge leaps. We are so used to this information, <laughs> you and I. We make huge leaps. And I want to keep in mind people listening for the first time, the importance of understanding that we have space siblings on other planets visiting is uh, part of pointing to the fact of the unity of all life. And that is really why Maitreya and the Masters are emerging today, because we are so conditioned in, in because of our prevailing economic and political systems to only see divisions and separation when there is truly, at the heart of it, unity. We are all one on a, on a, a, on a very real level. And because we, we have created systems that oppose that, that mm -hmm. do not acknowledge that essential truth of unity, That's right. we have the conflicts that we have in the world. So when you're bringing up the space brothers, that's a whole, whole big topic. I love talking about the space brothers and they're, they're <laughs> doing a lot to help us. I, I will, you know, I, I don't want to confuse our audience. I'm sure our audience can take all the information we can give them. Um, but um, they are certainly helping us environmentally, helping us clean up our environment. And um, their, their, their gifts and insights, their gentleness and their appearances, um, you know, being documented just with such frequency. You'll see videos on YouTube. They they know about the extraordinary possibility of transformation for this and, and inevitability of transformation on this planet. Um, you know, another statistic I, I want to point to the idea of of, of sharing uh, as the fundamental principle of of transformation. You mentioned this at the beginning of the show. Um, I was just at a meeting earlier today with my activist group, and apparently. Because of going going back to just uh, economic facts here and, and uh, people of color communities, because of predatory schemes, predatory loans, and foreclosures uh, from the from the crash, uh, the the bank debacle of two thousand eight, 
70, it's estimated 71 to $92 billion uh, left the uh, communities of I mean, 71 to $92 billion of wealth departed from the people of uh, color communities. And um, this is important to understand and not gloss over because what's happening to us economically happens to us spiritually. How we treat each other economically is how it's a reflection of who we are spiritually. And I certainly uh, don't think that our systems, uh, our economic system is honoring our divinity. Um, what are, what do you see in, in your communities, religious, spiritual, political, of people awakening to the fact that uh, change has to happen? And what kind of change, exoteric change, do you see people taking as they're, they're, they're paying attention to these startling um, facts? Well, I think uh, people are so immersed in their lives, their 24-7 lives, trying to make a living, trying to take care of the kids. And, and uh, they, don't, they don't really have the time to read esoteric books. It's one of the reasons I attempted to condense some of the uh, most compelling elements of Benjamin's 16 books into a digestible read for people who just don't have the time. And uh, I, I sympathize with that. But at the same time, you know, we're facing a, an imminent stock market crash uh, that will be uh, 2008 all over again, if not worse. And uh, we have the terrorist activities all around the planet, ISIS, Boko Haram, the Taliban, and, and all the rest. And it's because these young people all around the world, not just here in the United States, but all around the world, some of them well-educated, and they have families. They have, they lack uh, the ability to feed the, their kids, their families, to, to provide for them. And in their despair, they turn to violence. They will become more and more creative in their ability to deliver that violence. And uh, we we use our drones to capture. Uh, significant leaders in that group, uh, but at the expense of wiping out sometimes little communities, and they're angry. And so we have to, Maitreya says, we have to uh, become sane about this and, sh and share the resources that rightly belong to everyone. Unless we do this, we are on a trajectory for a nuclear war, and it would destroy all life on this planet. So we must share to, as Maitreya says, to uh, create justice. Without justice, we will have no peace. Without peace, we have no future. Ira, you mentioned the, you know, all, all the, about terrorism and violence and uh, injustice. I just wanted to mention, Ira, that in a, a one of, Benjamin Krem's books. Again, that's Benjamin C-R-E-M-E. -E. He wrote the book, uh, The Great Approach, New Light and Life for Humanity. And there was a question put to him about which groups will be the most receptive to Maitreya's message mm -hmm. after what is known as the Day of Declaration. We've yes, talked about it before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll just mention that the Day of Declaration 
it will be the day where Maitreya presents himself uh, through the media, through the satellite. Everyone around the world will be able to see him simultaneously. We will not hear him speak, but we will hear his voice in our heads, in our native languages, and all of the world will be presented a choice whether to continue with our modes of living based on greed, competition, and separation, or work to transform the world on the basis of cooperation, uh, compassion, uh, uh, and unity. So, uh, do you recall what, uh, how Ben answered that question about which groups will be the most receptive? Uh, he did say that the uh, African-Americans, uh, the Latinos, a uh, good portion of women uh, would be the, the first to step forward and uh, join his army uh, to, to help share the resources, feeding the poor who die unnecessarily in the world of plenty. Um, some, some people, about a third of the planet, will be on the fence. Uh, some who are the religious fanatics, uh, the conservative forces, the Piscean forces, will be very skeptical. Some will see him as the Antichrist. They don't know what that word means. Uh, it's, uh, it's the destructive phase of the first ray which is uh, will, purpose, power, and you have the destructive element called the Antichrist that's sent out at the end of each era to prepare the way for the new era. It was sent out during um, the end of the age of Aries to prepare the way for the Piscean era. It was sent through Nehru in, uh, in Rome, and uh, it was sent out again in uh, the Aquarian Age, beginning of the Aquarian Age, uh, some uh, during World War One and World War Two, to Hitler and some forces in Germany, uh, uh, the group of militarists in Japan, and and uh, a group in Italy. So. That's sent out. It's almost like a forest fire. The immediate effect of that is very destructive. But it, in the aftermath of that, uh, new siblings, new new trees are coming forth uh, that were in the shade of these colossal canopy of, of mature trees, and they are able to tolerate the new conditions much better. So it is something that is sent out uh, by the highest center in the in the planet that's Shambhala it's uh, in the Gobi Desert used to be the Gobi Lake uh, it's it's a, a beneficial uh, clearing out of the uh, forces of the old to prepare the way for the new so that happens uh, we're in the most critical as you said earlier, uh, time period in which the masters, if you go to the website, do the orientation and follow the links and just read this information. You'll find that it's everything is congruent. It fits together. Uh, the masters are doing everything within the laws that are there to not infringe our free will, but at the same time, uh, 
let us know that we're about to embark on a major transformation on the planet. And, and I will direct people to the page that you examined so closely uh, some years back. I guess it was, it's been about 15 years since you first uh, visited uh, share-international.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're so impressed by that information. Again, S-H-A-R-E hyphen international spelled out dot O-R-G. And I, I, let me correct myself. Um, the, from the great approach, New Light and Life for Humanity by Benjamin Cram. Cram actually quotes the master Dwal Kool, who wrote through Alice A. Bailey. Um, he indicated that the, uh, African peoples, will be among the first to recognize Maitreya and to follow his lead. In fact, um, <laughs> the most publicized appearance of Maitreya took place in Nairobi, Kenya. This was news broadcast on CNN way back in 1988. And um, if you go to share-international.org, You'll find that story. That was a significant story. He appeared, Maitreya appeared um, out of the blue, literally before a group of 5,000 Christians uh, led by uh, a healer named Mary Akatsa. And um, the, the, he appeared in traditional garb uh, of that community. They recognized him immediately as the Christ and called out to him. And he spoke in unaccented Swahili. There's an image that you can see online of that. It was witnessed by the editor of the Kenya Times, who wrote about it in detail. Um, that uh, that exists, I, I believe. Yeah, that's reprinted on the Share International site. So mm-hmm. I think that's significant that um, that event happened, that it happened to such a large group, that it was recorded, and that that it was broadcast. And since then, Maitreya has appeared to many, many. Uh, you know, over a hundred, maybe close to two hundred d- religious groups, all different religions um, around the world. But that event was the mo- most documented one. Um, and I just, uh, in honor of Martin Luther King, want to quote uh, when he spoke. He always spoke fiercely against economic injustice. And he said, a true revolution of values will soon look uneasily on the glaring contrast of poverty and wealth. And Maitreya, the world teacher, in message number 81, um, among other things, uh, said very simply, man must change or die. There is no other course. That's right. so let's talk about actions that people think. You were talking about transmission meditation, <laughs> telling people in the grocery line. Um, you've started a number of groups. And um, yeah. uh, talk about your experience. Well, uh, I started a group in Winston-Salem, and it's now hosted at the Unity Church in Winston-Salem. There's a second group there as well. Uh, I started a group in uh, Raleigh. And it lasted for about a year. Uh, recently started a, a group in Durham. And just a couple of weeks ago, I visited them and they had 11 people there. It's uh, interestingly, it's all African-American. Uh, Durham has a large African-American population. 
And they were hungry for this kind of information. And it, I, I, I just cleared up some of the uh, uh, difficult areas in the Bible to understand and talked about its, uh, its allegorical, uh, symbolic meanings. And uh, they were very receptive uh, when I went to the Black Congressional Caucus and the NAACP National Conference. They were also very receptive. Occasionally you, you find someone to approach you and say, well, Jesus is my Savior and that's all I need. And I, I sometimes respond and say to them, well, when you found that the Bible said this is only 500, 6,000 6, years that we've been here, how did that square with your science? And uh, did you close the book then? And uh, 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 did you leave yourself open for new information based upon new knowledge? Uh, that's all I'm saying. You, you, you have to open yourself up to new information. Uh, when a child asks you, how, does, how do you make the baby? Uh, you don't get into the, the details of that. You don't talk about sex. You talk about a, a egg and a sperm. But sooner or later, they're going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to be back treading to kind of cover yourself. And, and, and the, the kids at school don't give the full explanation that you give. Humanity is evolving. And as we evolve, the masters will give us more information uh, because of our rising consciousness, our ability to understand energy, matter, uh, how things happen, uh, our place in the universe, the laws in effect, uh, not just uh, rebirth and reincarnation, uh, laws of karma, but also sacrifice. Ira, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you, Silica. And now for the treat I promised you earlier, to meditate together. As most of us are aware, our world has arrived at a moment of profound transformation. As millions call for peace and justice, many are seeking ways to help serve the world and at the same time looking for an effective means of personal spiritual development. Transmission meditation is a way to do both. Introduced in 1974 by a master of spiritual wisdom, transmission is a group meditation that makes available the benevolent energies pouring into the planet in an ever-mounting rhythm and potency. Transmission groups worldwide receive and transform these energies sent by a group of extraordinary teachers, the Masters of Wisdom led by Maitreya, the world teacher. Thus stepped down, these energies can be used in the betterment of all life on earth. This meditation also has a salutary effect on the individual participating in the meditation. It is safe, scientific, non-denominational, and will not interfere with any other religious or spiritual practice. In fact, it will just enhance them. So it's for the religious and non-religious alike. So now, 
Just focus your attention at the chakra center between the eyebrows called the Ajna center, which is the center of the will. And let's read together the great invocation and meditate as long as you wish, holding your attention there when it drifts away by thinking Om silently, inwardly. The Great Invocation From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Visit us on Facebook at hashtag Planetary Makeover. This show has been a production of planetarymakeover.org. At our website, we have a link to our bi-weekly live show at 5 p.m. Mondays Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. At our website, we also have a link to our archives and a selection of our shows. For more background info, visit www.shareinternationalwest.org. That's shareinternational-west.org. O-R-G. For related books in DVDs and CDs by Benjamin Krem on the emergence of Maitreya the World Teacher, please go to share-ecart.com. That's share-ecart.com. We also invite you to watch another show that we really love entitled, What in the World is Happening? And that show, which you don't want to miss, is produced by Share International Canada. Please view episodes of What in the World is Happening on demand at youtube.com forward slash at message of hope weekly. It will be live streaming mostly on the second Saturday of every month at the Share International Canada Facebook page. <laughs>